Well, welcome back to our next edition of the Mike Care Radio Program, What's Up America? As always, probably broadcasting from Akoi, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And my next guest, we have a great treat for you, is Mr. Lee Scalar, who is a great uh, bass player and has played on some of your favorite uh, songs by artists such as James Taylor and uh, Linda Ronstadt and Reba McIntyre and Phil Collins and Clint Black and Holland Oates and et cetera, et cetera. And Lee has also uh, performed with several bands. Uh, he was the bass uh, or is the bass player for Phil Collins and he's worked with James Taylor and he has, uh, I guess it's like 2,000 albums. Or, or something, so many songs, has done so so much, and we're so blessed and honored, Lee, that you can be here to tell tell us all about uh, your 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 story. And uh, before we get started uh, here, I want to mention that I've been doing this show for eleven years, and uh, right now we're kind of doing starting a makeshift like bass showcase. And a few months ago, we had, I'm sure you know, Carol Kay on the show, and now we have, you know, you. Lee and I says what a way to kick off this show Carol Kay and uh, Lee Scalar so Lee it's a pleasure and honor that you could join me today and uh, we want, want want you to let our audience know about you we understand that you actually were born about 80 miles uh, from where I was born uh, in countryside Illinois you were born in Milwaukee Wisconsin but moved to uh, you know LA and Hollywood at four years old so tell us a little bit about how you you got started and I understand understand you got started actually playing the piano was that right yeah well first off it's, it's great to be here with you on the show I'm, I'm i'm happy to be here and and to be able to share some of the same airway vibe energy that carol did is really special carol's one of the truly great uh, musician bassist characters in in, in this industry and uh, she's she's so, so she her her resume is something to behold and what she's done. So proud to be sharing that space uh, with her. Um, yeah, the family. Uh, I was born in Milwaukee, but the uh, my dad uh, was a he had a lot of different jobs. But at the time, he was a teacher, and he got offered a opportunity to come to L.A. and and teach out here, uh, actually in San Bernardino when we first moved out here. So. We up and loaded the family in the uh, in the covered wagon and got the mules strapped in and uh, took the three month journey across America to, to get to L.A. and uh, and then everything you know it's sometimes you think you know what would life have been like had we not done that what would I be doing and uh, uh, it could have been profoundly different it would have been profoundly different because the opportunities that I had would have. Uh, been different, but um, but I started on piano. I was as a kid. My parents used to watch the Liberace TV show, and um, and I became enamored with it. I just his panache. You know, even as a little kid, I could see it. Um, you know, just with the, the candelabra and, and the tuxedo, and his brother George coming out and playing violin, and a beautiful repertoire of music because. I grew up in a really, not a musical house from the standpoint of musicians, but a standpoint of appreciation. And we had, my mom had studied a little bit of piano, so we had a, a family baby grand piano. And I started playing it, and next thing I just took to it and uh, ended up with lots of different teachers and, and became 
you know, like the proverbial child prodigy on it. But when I was 12 and entered junior high school, uh, I assumed I would be the piano player um, because I was so damn good. But um, there was a lot of piano players, and the music teacher, Mr. Ted Lynn, said, "No, we need a we need an, another string bass player." And he pulled out an old K upright and put it in my hands. I, I plucked one note and felt that vibration, and I said, "Sold." And he gave me some rudimentary lessons, and uh, I was off and running. And I went from piano at that point and focused completely on bass. Wow. And we understand, uh, Lee, that uh, you were good friends, and you were actually working with James Taylor then? or? Well, what happened was I was in college. I I was a uh, science and art co-major. I was looking at maybe a career as a medical or technical illustrating or something like that. Uh, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was holding on to a student deferment at the time and trying to find myself in my life. And I was in a band in the late 60s called Wolfgang. And our drummer had a friend uh, named John Fishbeck who owned a recording studio in Los Angeles, did all the early Stevie Wonder records there, Songs in the Key of Life. And so, and he, he used to come and hang out at our rehearsals. And one day he brought a friend of his with him to a rehearsal, and it was James Taylor who had just gotten back from England where he had recorded his first Apple record. And he hung out with us for a couple of days, and we really dug what you know his what he did. I mean, his writing was great. He was, but we were like a completely hard rock band. So I mean, it was like it had nothing to do with what we were doing. We were just appreciative. But then James got offered an opportunity to play at the Troubadour in L.A., and he remembered me from these rehearsals. And Peter Asher, who was managing him, um, who was part of Peter and Gordon. Um, they tracked me down uh, through probably through John Fishback, and um, and they asked me to play this one gig. And I assumed I'd play one show with him, and that would be it. And I'd get back to business. And basically, I'm still on that show fifty, you know, two fifty one years later. Um, so you you just never know what's going to happen in your life. But that was how I met James, and then I was with James for twenty years. Um, but once James hit, James was the perfect storm. Uh, he, he was the perfect artist at the perfect time for kind of a quantum change in the music industry. And I was just really fortunate to be able to ride that wave with him. And that's how I got hooked up. Our original band with James was Russ Kunkel, myself, Danny Korchmar, and Carol King was the piano player. And... Uh, the first tours we did, that was the lineup of the band. And then we just try, kept, kept trying to encourage Carol to go out and play some of her songs because she had a tremendous career as a songwriter, but nobody knew who she was. You know, they would see all these songs that said Goffin and King, and, you know, they didn't know really what, who that was. Uh, it's like Lieber and Stoller and all, all these songwriting teams. And uh, But we finally convinced her to do some some of her own material in the show and next thing you know she goes in the studio and cuts tapestry and so we uh, at that point we have one of the members of our band has like the biggest record in the world going on so she left uh, the group to pursue that and uh, I was doing an album with Tom Jans and Mimi Farinia Mimi was jo- Joan Baez's sister 
And there was a keyboard player on those sessions named Craig Durge, and I called Peter, and I said, I think I found a person to replace Carol, and Craig joined, and that was the beginning of the section. This all becomes very convoluted. It sort of turns into six degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon time. <laughs> oh. so. Okay, and one thing, uh, Lee, you know, how I found you was that on my uh, YouTube, uh, which is, you know, kind of like Facebook, is every day yeah. you have a vi video where you play, you know, uh, Phil Collins songs bec because, you know, you were, were with, with Phil Collins. So are you still with him or tell us about the, how that all started? Well, well, we finished we finished Phil's tour. I mean, we were going to go out and do three Three cities uh, initially. We were going to do a week at London, in London at the Albert Hall, a week in Cologne, Germany at an arena, and a week in Paris at Bercy Arena. And so, and it was, it all went so well that it ended up being two and a half years. We ended up touring the world. Basically, we did all through Europe, South America, Australia, um, New Zealand, um, all, just all over the place. And um, and we finished that. Um, it's been about I don't know six months or so, you know time disappears here. Um, but we finished that tour, and um, then there's was plans of Genesis reuniting uh, at the end of this year um, to do a, a tour, which I wouldn't be involved in because they're self-contained. And like everything else during this period. That's all on hold. They don't know when that tour is going to happen out. I mean, it was already selling like crazy, and um, and now it's put off till next year, and everything is predicated on the condition of, of the world next year. We, we just, Nobody knows. I mean, I had a, a full book this year, and my book is empty now. Uh, every, everything was was postponed, canceled. We, we don't know what's happening. So... Um, so I've, you know, like everybody else, I was sitting around the, the house with, you know, trying to figure out how to make the best of my time. You know, one of the things I've heard from people over the years is they would say that, you know, we saw you, uh, it, and this really pertains to like arenas and stadiums. And we had an incredible front of house mixer. So the bass was always really good. But they would say like, you know, it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to hear all the nuances of things. So I thought what I would do was play, I had a board mix from our show in Adelaide, Australia. So what I'm doing is I'm playing that board mix minus my bass, and then I'm playing my bass part through an amp so that it's it's louder than everything else so that I could show exactly what my bass parts are. This is you know for a lot of the bass geeks out there that really uh, inquire about these things. But... It turned into something completely different because I, you know, I, I love telling stories and and so these things, each one of these things that I post every day has, you know, long, kind of drawn out stories about you know the whole experience of what we were doing you know at, at a given time, and uh, and then I pretty much finished that show. The only song I didn't do was "Take Me Home." I might save that for later on, but I'm adding some other Phil songs, but. Uh, I'm all, at this point now. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I, I uh, other songs. I'm only doing songs I I recorded and played on, because uh, I've had people saying, "Oh man, do some Getty Lee, do some." You know, I'm going, no, I, I'm not going to start. You know, 
it's not a karaoke site. I'm not going to be picking up everybody else's stuff. I'm only doing stuff. But I just did. um, There's a Canadian artist named Amanda Marshall, and I did her album. So I did one of the songs from that and showed the bass parts. And I just did the Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles, which I played on and showed that. And I also played with Billy Cobham. I did his album Spectrum. And so I've done um, a, a couple of the songs. I've got one more I'm probably going to do this week uh, in Tari and Matador. And uh, so I'm, I'm going through like all my, you know, reams of things I've, I've worked on and trying to remember them and, uh, and posting them. I work with a girl named Judith Owen, who's a remarkable Welsh singer, songwriter, pianist. And uh, she's married to Harry Shearer, who is in Spinal Tap, and he does like a lot of the voices on The Simpsons. And I'm posting some of the stuff I did with her. I'm going to do some stuff I did with Vince Gill and probably Reba. Yeah, I'm just giving a real variety, but it's mostly it's a lot of storytelling and and it's been fun. I mean, I I encourage anybody out there who's listening to this that wants to come and, and it doesn't cost anything, subscribe to the Leland Sklar YouTube channel, and uh, and there's lots of stuff going on. I mean, in, in about six weeks now, I think there's about seventy six thousand people on the page. So it's uh, and and the the responses I'm getting, the people what people are writing back is really sweet and and, and heartfelt. And we're all developing a really neat community out of this. So I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I'm going to continue it even if the uh, if the veil gets lifted and we can all start working again and you know doing what we love to do. I'm still going to do this. And I figure when I hit the road, I'll probably, you know, whenever that happens, then I'll probably do some, you know, filming and do some of this stuff from venues and things like that. So I'm having a, a great time with this. Plus, I'm getting long-winded here. I'm in a in a band, which is pretty much the guys I've been playing with for 50 years. We we formed a group called the Immediate Family, and it's Danny Korchmar, Waddy Wachtel, Russ Kunkel, myself, and another friend of ours, Steve Postel. And uh, we've got a new album coming out, and we were supposed to be heading to Japan on tour because we have a Japanese album release and a, an American album release. And needless to say, the uh, the travel is is put off and there was a movie called the wrecking crew which denny tedesco made and it's about that group of players uh of the period just before i really got started in this with carol Kay and and hal blaine and joe osborne and and all all of these amazing players well denny tedesco whose father was tommy tedesco who's probably the greatest studio guitar player that ever was um, they're they're making a documentary movie about our group, the immediate family, and we were like um, a third of the way into this film, and um, and suddenly had to put the skids on until everybody can gather again. So we're in a, in a very bizarre, you know, time right now, and there's tons and tons of stuff hanging, waiting, but it's none of it's going to be addressed until it's safe. So we'll see what the future holds, but uh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to do another video today after we hang up. I'm going to, might do either another Judas song or, or I'll find something. It's just, it's for me, it's a lot of it's, it's kind of finding a song I played on 35 years ago and trying to remember what the hell I did and figure it out. So it's a commitment.
Okay, Lee, that sounds great. What we are going to do is we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back for our next segment of this edition of our program today. My guest today is Mr. Leland Scalar from beautiful L.A., Los Angeles, Hollywood, California area, and who is a great legendary uh, bass uh, player, both a uh, session musician playing on all your favorite records from your some of your favorite artists, and as well as a touring uh, bass player with Phil Collins and James Taylor and a whole slew of others. So we're so blessed and honored to have Lee here today. You are listening to the Mike Care radio program, What's Up America? As always, partly broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of the Mike Care Radio Program, What's Up America? As always, partly broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And my guest today is Mr. Leland Scalar uh, from uh, Los Angeles, California, who is a great bass player, le- legend in the business. He is both a, a studio session player, playing on a lot of your favorite music from a lot of your favorite artists, such as Reba McIntyre. Clint Black, James Taylor, Linda Ronstadt, so on and so forth. And he has also played, uh, you know, in the band, uh, bands uh, with uh, Phil Collins and uh, James Taylor. And so he does it both. He goes on tour and plays in these bands as well as playing on your, your favorite music. So he's he's a double double hitter here They're doing all that great work. And we're, we're so blessed and honored to have uh, such a great legend as Lee here today. Again, my guest is Lee Lynn Scalar and uh, Lee. Pleasure, honor you could join me today. Thanks so much. And uh, we truly do appreciate it. And I'll ask you this question, you know, that I asked Carol Kay. You know, we mentioned that you have all these songs. Do you have some sort of uh, journal or some sort of record that you write down every song an artist? Or? Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, I have my old date. I have all my date books going back to about 70. Um, but they're not they're not comprehensive like that. I mean, some of them they have who the artist is. Some of it just says you know, you know, be at Capitol at, at ten a.m. you know on a day or something like that. And I, I you know I, I always kind of defer to like um, like Wikipedia, one of those pages that where they've documented quite a bit. It's when I look at the Wikipedia page, it's probably about. Two thirds of what what I've worked on is on is on that. And they list all the the groups. It's not necessarily you'd have to dig deeper to get all the songs, um, but it, on there I think there's like a, artists are listed um, either by year or, or um, um, alphabetically. I'm not, I'm not really sure because I've had I've had like some people investigate what I've done for, for different interviews. And then they say, well, we've got like a, a forensics guy who can go in and really suss this out. And I don't really care about it. It came out to about 2,600 albums that I've worked on. And, um, but to me, I really don't think about that. I, I think about what am I doing today and what am I doing tomorrow? I'm still looking forward. So I don't really dwell on what I've done in the past, the, the, you know, the, the, the records stand for themselves. 
All right. So, so you know, you, we mentioned about, uh, you know, working with Reba. So how does a lot of the working with these artists do? Do you usually record the same time as they do? or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I spent about 10 years, uh, probably 80 to 90, was like the, the real meat and potatoes time, going, going back and forth from L.A. to Nashville because... There was a producer in Los Angeles named Jimmy Bowen, and Jimmy Bowen was a, a major hitter out here, but he did you know, like Sammy Davis Jr. And, and Sinatra and all kinds of, you know, big legit stuff. And I used to do a lot of albums with him, and then he moved to Nashville and took over, I believe it was Capitol Records. And he called me and he said, hey, would you like to come down to Nashville and work? I said, sure, yeah, I'd love to. I'd you know, only been there to um, play concerts. I'd never really done a lot of studio work down there. And I started going back and forth um, pretty much, you know, every month, I, you know, a couple of times a month, I would go back and forth. So I was there for like the very early Reba, very early Vince Gill, Patty Loveless, Susie Boggess, I mean, Marty Stewart. I ended up doing probably several, you know, at least several hundred albums down in Nashville. And it was all due to Jimmy Bowen. And then through him, you know, I, I got to, to know Tony Brown and different producers. So they were calling me to come down there, too. But we would track live dates. Uh, like with Jimmy, when I first started going there, it would be he would book me for five days, sometimes six days. And we would go in and, and uh, do two or three songs a day. And, uh, and, and it was all live band. And the musicians down there are amazing great musicians and uh it was wonderful i, I absolutely loved it but it, it eventually changed like jimmy decided to phase himself out he was getting older and budgets really came into play where when i started going there with for him it would be five or six days and eventually towards the, the last of it it would be like two days and you'd be cutting like 14 tracks in two days and uh, or or they stop making albums and it's not uh, financially viable to, to ask me to fly to Nashville to do two songs, you know, or they're doing EPs and things like that. So um, I have I haven't done any um, Nashville in a while, but for the, that ten year run was was fabulous, and uh, I have lots of friends in Nashville, and uh, it's a beautiful music scene down there. But um, everything's cyclical and. Uh, I had my period of time there, and then L.A. got busy again, and so I just it's easy, it was easier to stay home and, and either record here or be on tour, because I toured off and on a lot with, like, Lyle Lovett, and then I did a couple of big tours with Toto, and uh, so, you know, I just try to stay viable, stay busy. Wow. I mean, is there any times where things conflict if you're, you know, you're touring and you're recording or you just make it work then? Um, you try to make it work, but there are conflicts. I was with James Taylor for, like I said, for 20 years. And, and but we finally hit a conflict where I had committed to a year long tour with Phil Collins. Um, when we did the But Serious album in 1990, we were going to be on the road for 11 months. And James decided he wanted to work that in, in that year after I had started touring with Phil. And uh, at that point, we parted ways because I just I couldn't uh, 
couldn't clone myself. Um, but usually, like with studio work or anything like that, I mean, your your word really is your bond. And if I uh, if I commit to something, and then somebody says, "Oh man, could you, you know, do our thing?" Can you get? I say, "No, I'm already busy." Even if it's something I wanted to do more, uh, you, you know, your kind of your word is your bond. So. Uh, but once in a while, there's conflicts. We, we worked a lot out when in the early days when we formed our band, The Section. We were the opening act for James Taylor and for Jackson Brown, and we were also their band for the shows. So when it came time for those guys all to be booking their tours, the management companies talked to each other to make sure there was no conflict so that some, so we could go seamlessly like from one tour into the next. Um, so you, you, you accommodate the best you can, but there are going to be conflicts of scheduling, and you just have to do what feels right. Also for you, uh, Lee, we're talking about this, uh, you know, studio, uh, you know, uh, bass line that I really uh, like is, is one of the probably most unique bass lines out there. So that's something they said, okay, Lee, just go go at it that you came up with yourself. No, no, actually on the recording, on the actual album of that, that's all synth. That's all David Frank I'm programming a whole bunch of synthesizers to do that. When we went out live, I play, I play it on bass. And we, we run a, it's the only thing that we have uh, a track running with it. And what we do is, is we run all of the, um, synth filters so there's no notes at all it's just all uh, this kind of pow 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 sound and I do all the the musical tonality to it so it ends up sounding like the record but it's more organic but on the actual album uh, that was a completely programmed track so uh, I I looked at Phil after that was recorded and I said now we've got a challenge how are we going to do this live and it ends up, of course, being a massive hit. So we really, you know, we're playing it constantly. So, uh, but it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun. It's a challenge. It's a, it's a good workout. So, but I mean, as far as all the other uh, Phil Collins songs on his albums, then you were playing bass there? Or? Yeah. I mean, I'm on probably 90% of it. Like there's one song that he um, had Pino Palladino come in and play. Um, and um, Nathan East played on a couple of songs, but for the most part, I played on pretty much everything. Oh, great! Uh, so, so yeah, that the, there's all sorts of uh, you know uh, m- music. So, I mean, for the most part, uh, you know, you, you kind of considered. I mean, was there a certain type of music? I mean, a, a certain artist, or I mean, you were pretty much open to all genres, or. I'm a hired gun. <laughs> Whoever calls, I play. I mean, I've, I've done everything. I mean, from from country to, to contemporary Christian to funk to rap to hip hop to rock and roll to metal. Um, you know, it's a, you just as a studio musician, you take the call and then you sort it out once you're in the studio. And so you, you pretty much, I've pretty much been, I mean, there's times where I've walked in and I've kind of went, holy crap, what have I got myself into? Um, but you're there and you do the best you possibly can. And that's it. Okay, Lee, you know what? That sounds simply fantastic. What we are going to do is we are going to take a quick break and we will be back. My guest today is the one and only Mr. Leland Scalar, who is a uh, 
legendary uh, bass player session bass player playing uh, on all your favorite uh, hits from a lot of your great favorite artist and he also uh, is a touring musician and tur- tours with various uh, musicians such as Phil Collins uh, uh, James Taylor etc so forth and so forth and we're so blessed and honored to have Lee here today again Lee Leland uh, Scalar from uh, Los Angeles uh, California you are listening to the Mike Care radio program what's up America as always partly broadcasting from Ocoee Florida USA planet Earth and please stay with us for a very last segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our very last segment of this edition of the Mike Care Radio Program, What's Up America? As always, partly broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And my guest today from beautiful Los Angeles, uh, California, the one and only Mr. Uh, Leland Scalar. And Lee is uh, a legendary session uh, bass player, a musician. He uh, play- played on some of your uh, favorite uh, records from... Your favorite artists such as Hall and Oates, James Taylor, Reba McIntyre, Clint Blank, Linda Ronstead, a uh, whole bunch uh, and so forth and such and such, and Phil Collins, and also uh, uh, playing in bands, touring with bands such as Phil Collins and James Taylor and Toto and a whole, whole slew, of, slew of others. You know, I really, you know, I say that there's always a time to get on Wikipedia, Google it. You know, there's just so much more information, and I, I don't know if I'm fully doing justice i mean i'd be here a half an hour uh, just uh re- reciting all these credits but we're so blessed and honored and like i said what what a way to start this base showcase that uh, we're doing first carol k now leland scalar i don't know how we're gonna top that i don't think we are but uh, i don't that's not what we're about here we want to give everyone their chance to tell us their story and uh you know just have a a few laughs maybe a few tears but um, mainly a few laughs, and uh, we're so glad uh, that uh, Leland is here. So I want to th- thank uh, Leland Scalar, and I also want to thank each and every one of our radio listeners for joining uh, me today, sharing my love and passion for what I do, which is bringing you Lee's love and passion for what he does. And if you've got a show, a, a guest idea, there we go. You you can simply go to MikeCara.com, give me a call, send me an email, and we could uh, see if you've got a bass player. Like I said, we're doing a little bass showcase. I don't know, if, uh, you know, kind of a makeshift one, but... You know, after do, doing well, I mean, to be fair, after 11 years, I've interviewed bass players, t- uh, too. And, uh, you know, being a bass player, I am very excited to explore this avenue. So, again, if you got a, you got a, a guest idea, MikeCara.com, send me an email. Give me a call. Again, my guest is uh, Leland Scalar. And Lee, is such a pleasure and honor that you could join me today. Thanks so much. We truly are blessed. Okay, Lee. So, you know, we were talking, you know, earlier about, you know, technology. So, I mean, right now, I mean, as far as when you're hired to, do, you know, play bass, are we still to a point where you physically have to go actually into a studio or are we to the point where you could just email it in or... Um, well, first off, I don't have a home studio, so I can't. Uh, if, if it comes down to somebody wanting to send me files, I've got a couple of friends that have nice home studios, and it's an opportunity just to hang out. So I'll just, you know, take the files over to their house, and we'll load them up, and I'll do it. 
Um, but more and more uh, projects are are back in studios with with groups of players. So um, it, it really it, it's predicated on the individual project. Um, you just you know I I, I I much prefer being in a studio with a group of players. That's where really the juices all really start flowing. When it's just me sitting and overdubbing bass, there's a there's a finite amount of, of things that I can contribute at that point, but I can't do as much as I would if I was in a room with other people and we're all kicking ideas around. So, but you know, works work. You, you whatever you get called for, you go do. Oh, so I mean, right, right now that uh, you're you're kind of you know at home doing these videos. But I mean, do you have plans to you know when all this is over? I mean, are you booking things yet, or they're just waiting to see what happens? Oh yeah. Well, uh, we're booking things. But all of them are predicated on conditions at the time. Uh, I was supposed to have just, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I was supposed to be doing the, the, a, a big bass um, show in Manchester, England. They, in the past, they usually do them in London. This one is a new one in Manchester. Um, it's like a big trade show, and I was going to do a master class at it. And that got canceled. Then I was supposed to... Uh, go back to Washington, D.C. to do a gig we do every year at the Library of Congress for ASCAP, the music publishing people. That's canceled. Then I was supposed to leave for Switzerland to do a big concert there in Zurich. That now is in November, pending what conditions are in November. Um, then we were supposed to be going to Japan with our band, and then I was supposed to head back to Germany. And so all these things are, are loose. We just got booked to do... We, this, just before all this happened, uh, our band did a rock and roll cruise that was from Fort Lauderdale to the Grand Caymans, and um, we just that ended just as all the crap started hitting the fan uh, with cruise ships and all that. And they loved us, and they've booked us back for February of next year, and we're we're going to do that. But the, our contract um, says, you know, if things aren't okay, we're not doing it. And, uh, this is the way I think everything's going to be approached, but I think we're going to be entering into a very bizarre period for this industry, for a lot of industries, uh, certainly any, um, theater, sports, music, uh, cause it's really going to all depend on the health of, of the population and, you know, right. and whether people are going to want to play an 18,000 seat arena where they're only going to sell 4,000 tickets because they need space between everybody. You know, I, you know, financially they can't afford it. I don't know if anybody's going to want to play under those circumstances. So the, the future is very, um, just, we just don't know right now what's going to happen. I just, uh, the main thing is for people to not go completely insane, which we're seeing daily. And now we've got all these lunatics back up, you know, marching in Michigan on the on the state capitol, you know, standing there in their camouflage and, and, and machine guns. I mean, to me, they should all be behind bars right now. I mean, this is really getting ugly and horrible. But every time any of these people do this, we're, we're putting the... Uh, the resolution of this disease farther and farther back. We're taking like one step forward and 10 steps backwards. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball right. and I'm, I'm very hopeful that they can, you know, come up with a, a solution to this where we can, will never be normal again. There will have to be a new normal. Um, and I, I hope it's a thing where we can play concerts and, uh, 
and hit the road because there's nothing I love more than that. So, uh, but as of right now, I'm just hunkered down at home doing my YouTube videos. And there's another site called Acapella, and we've done a few Acapella videos um, with our band, and then I've done a, a bunch of them with Judith Owen too, and they're up on Facebook and uh, social media. So, I'm, I'm trying to stay viable musically, but it's just it's real frustrating when you really just the, the, the joy you get is when you're together with other musicians and playing and everybody's kind of sitting there going hmm you know what's going on so we'll see we just have to monitor this is this is a world a, a new world order day by day right yeah we'll just uh, have to see so with the cru- cruise ship so you you like the the, the cruises then huh well the, well this was the first, I've only done two of them and and this one we did was was really funny Roger Daltrey was on it we played with Nancy Wilson from Hearts you know I mean and the people who come on the cruise are really cool I mean it was really fun I hung with a lot of people there and just sat and talked with them and they had you know they were curious about things and uh, it was really it was a, a great little community that that evolves on these ships so um and we were really thrilled because they said normally they, they wait at least a year or two to invite anybody back because they want to do a big changeover for each cruise. But they said, you guys, we were like a last-minute addition to it, and nobody knew who the hell we were. I mean, they just saw a name, immediate family, but they had no idea who that was. And and our shows went over so good, and the response was so good that the, the people doing the cruise said, man, we'd love to have you guys come back next year. You know, the demand was there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really the joy of, of, you know, my life is being involved in music. And uh, I just want to keep it going. So we'll, we'll have to just, we just have to see what's going to happen here. We're all, we're all in this, this game together. This is a global problem. It's not local. So every musician I know that I talk to from, from, from Australia to Japan to England to Pakistan to you name it, are all suffering through the same dilemma. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, hope for the best. Great. And before we go here, Lee, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your social me- media. So right now you have a, a Facebook page then? or? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm very active on it, and I, I tend to be kicked off of it all the time. I just got off of another 30-day block. Facebook usually kicks me off about 100 to 150 days a year for my um, politics. <laughs> I'm very vocal about what I feel, right. and I have a lot of people that follow, but I've also got some, some trolls that have gotten in and, and create grief for me, and there's no way to find them or anything. So, so But I'm active with that. I'm active on the YouTube thing. I, I'm... I have a Twitter account, but I don't really like the format of Twitter. I'm too long-winded for those snippet kind of thing. And uh, and, and I tend to just use uh, Instagram as links to, like, the YouTube uh, thing. But the YouTube's really, for me right now, is really the most fun, is just doing these videos. So, again, I'll invite anybody who's listening to this cast, you know, to come to YouTube and, and subscribe to my channel, and you can write comments and I try to respond to as much as I can and stuff it's a nice community and I'm assuming Lee that uh, like I subscribe to your channel so every day on my like feed or whatever I get a video for you is that how it works or 
Yeah, you just come on, you know, you just sign in or stay signed in, and every day I'm trying to put up an, a, a new video. It's it's a challenge just because I'm trying to do other things, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a lot of work because I'm starting to get to, you know, finding songs I want to do, but I haven't, you know, done them in 30 years, so I'm, like, having to spend the time to relearn them and figure it all out. So it's, it's a challenge for me to keep my brain working, but... You know, it's a no-brainer to come in. You just come in and you just sign up uh, for it. Just subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. And then you have access to the channel and, and comments and all that stuff. So it's kind of fun. I check it all the time for other people's pages. I mean, I really enjoy YouTube. There's so much stuff on there that you can't I mean, I see stuff. If I type in my name, there's tons of pages that come up, and I'm going, I don't remember ever seeing a camera at that gig you know, or at that session that we were on. So it's always kind of funny to discover things that you had no clue was even being filmed, and there it is on YouTube. So it's, a, it's an adventure. Yeah, that uh, I I know know all those uh, videos uh, of, of you that uh, were uh, you know taken. So how far do they go back? I mean, you've you've probably checked them out more than me. I mean, how far do they usually go back? Then oh, there's stuff going. There's stuff. I'm finding stuff from like 1970, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, it's just whatever somebody chooses to post. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, Lee, I really appreciate uh, you know all all your your time here. We know that we're all looking forward to getting back. Uh, okay, as far as people following you, do you put like what you're doing then on your Facebook page or? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, if if something's coming up that's interesting, I, I'll I'll definitely uh, post it up there and keep people abreast of it but a lot of times people are posting stuff that i don't even know is going on yet <laughs> they know more than i do <laughs> you know it's it's uh, it's it's interesting okay uh, lee any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here no just wishing everybody all the best stay safe be well and uh and let's just try to get through all this uh as best we can without going completely crazy because it's a really difficult, stressful uh, time for everybody right now. So, you know, just uh, just take care of yourselves, take care of those around you, and and try to show as much patience as you can and be smart. Okay, uh, thanks so much. My guest has been Lee Scalar, and you've been listening to the Mike Care Radio program, What's Up America? And please catch us again next time.